Hi everyone, welcome to Night of America's AGM annual general meeting live in New York in the Big Apple, y'all. And shout out to the New York chapter, the President Bobby and his team for hosting us and also our BOD and our BOT chairman, Tope Inson and Dr. Shepong. I wish you all a successful AGM. Now, the mission of NIFE is quite simple. First and foremost, we want to work together as Nigerians where we be to be able to lift ourselves up for better. That's the first mission. And when I became president of Cali, people were talking about sinking all in Nigeria and Nigeria. No, no, no. Let us get the arts right here first. When we get the arts right in Cali, Done. 
she gets things done. Uh, she knows the community very well. She knows the Nigerian community very well. Uh, she has many colleagues in Nigerian. Um, and was the number one supporter when I created the first Black Heritage Day Parade of Staten Island in the history of the borough. She was a supporter, um, was a supporter from the beginning. And she stands with the community. She's passed many legislations in New York State. She's well respected. Um, in fact, she's going to be uh, a senior advisor with the mayor's office. Uh, mayor's office. Yes. Yes. And for the legislative breakfast, for yes. the legislative breakfast, we wanted someone who could speak to how we can be more involved social politically. Yes. Because while we're here in America, if we remain in silos, um, the issues that we care most about are our personal issues. Um, will not be addressed in the way that we feel they should. So it's critically important that we get involved politically, um, even though we are not profit and we should be apolitical, uh, but nevertheless, we have to play a role uh, in our local government. And what she's going to share with us can be applied all over the world. It's just how to engage your government and how to participate uh, as a neighboring community. So without further ado, my good friend, Senator Diane Sabino. Right. You started an incident in John Walker too? Oh, so you started today. <laughs> but Ruben 
Kelly and I both became very engaged in our union uh, for a variety of reasons. We became union activists and eventually we worked our way to a job represented workers in contract violations and most important disciplinary cases. We had a growing, uh, small but growing Nigerian population amongst our membership of social service employee workers. Largely because one of the entry level points for a job in HRA or in the shelter system or in child welfare was you had to have a bachelor's degree. And overwhelmingly Nigerian immigrants were well educated. Many of them had postgraduate degrees already. And so they came to the city with the, with the um, educational requirements met and they joined the city workforce working in child welfare, working in HRA, working in the shelter system. And the funny thing about Nigerian work is they managed to be in two places at one time because most of them had two jobs. <laughs> yep. They would work, yes. they would work in one city agency in the daytime and they work in the shelter system or in the hospital system at night. At night. Yeah. And why did I raise that point? Because Fact. it became a problem. Yes. So we had a change in administration in uh, mid-90s when we elected a new mayor in the city, Rudy Giuliani. And he decided that he was going to start to crack down on what they viewed as time and issues. Nigerian workers would save all of their time all year long to be able to go home to Nigeria on vacation. Yes, so. You could build up a certain amount of time as a worker, but you were never going to be able to use all of your time. So they would put in for three weeks to go back to Nigeria, and they would be gone for three or four months. But that had never been an issue. No administration had ever taken, taken this on as a, as a problem for workers. They would just change their status from approved leave with pay to leave without pay. And when they came home, they show up personnel, they get processed, and they, if they were lucky, they went back to the location they worked in. And if not, they wind up in a new office. But nobody ever took any action against it. Also, you can't be in two jobs at the same time. Which means if you're clocking out at 4 o'clock in the shelter system, you can't be clocking in at 4 o'clock at Elmer's Hospital. Which means somebody's helping you, right? Yes. You're not supposed to do that. But nobody ever enforced this. So all of a sudden, the new mayor said, we're going to put a stop to that. And they started bringing workers up on disciplinary charges. And this had a disproportionate effect. Ruben's shaking his head. How many cases did we deal with? Oh, a disproportionate effect on the Nigerian workers. Um, and they would wind up then having a disciplinary in their record for either being away too long, even though many of them had exemplary work histories, their annual evaluations were above standards, you had this break in service and a disciplinary record. Why is this relevant? Well, I don't need to tell you all that Nigerian work, Nigerians in general can be the subject of discrimination. Yes. The most recent president before Joe Biden, who occupied the White House, actually had the audacity to say that once Nigerians see America, they'll never want to go back to their huts. That was a quote from the president of the United States, which shows that he knows nothing about Nigerians. He knows nothing about where you come from. He knows nothing about your education level. He knows nothing about the fact that you are all over the world. Yes. Represented in the highest fields of medicine, education, and as I said earlier, the entrepreneurs in the tech industry. But all things are as they were then. In 1994, I'm uh, sorry, 1999, that same mayor who's decided to prosecute Nigerians, especially for being late and being, having the audacity to work two jobs, we were going through a change in the child welfare system. The mayor wanted to create a new agency to solve the problems in the child welfare system. That's what we do in the city, change it. We, we create a new agency. Requiring everybody who worked in that agency to now apply for a job in this, in this new agency. And of the 345 Nigerian caseworkers, 
who had exemplary records, who had never had any issue other than potentially this type of leader. Suddenly were no longer qualified to work in this new agency. Because the new administration didn't want them because they felt that there was, we all heard the term in social or cultural competency. Uh -huh. Well, that Nigerians couldn't identify with the clients that they were servicing. Because they had a different ideology about parenting, about what's a neglectful home, what's allowed and what's not. It's the most outrageous thing. And so our union, uh, we've been not even working there, representing workers. We decided to sue the administration on behalf of the workers who have been discriminated. Yes. We won most of them. But it was an opportunity for Nigerian workers in our membership, which had not really engaged that much with the union, unless of course they needed us, to begin to develop their own caucus and their own chapter. Out of that experience, we had the first African um, Heritage Month. Down to DC 37, they created their own chapter, organizing workers, getting more engaged in the union. Because the union became the place where they had commonality and that someone would help them represent them. It's the exact same thing in politics. Yes. So if you look in communities where you have a large number of Nigerian Americans, they're not very engaged in politics, but you need to be engaged in politics. I know you're all busy, you're working, so as I said, you've got two jobs. I think you I read somewhere that you've never seen anybody hustle for you in a Nigerian America. So many people feel like I'm too busy. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm making sure I'm, uh, my kids are getting to school and getting a higher education. I'm making sure that I have the money to buy that next house and improve my conditions. But you've got to get involved locally at the, government, at, the, at the local government level, whether it's the community board to find out how you know, decisions are being made about what what's planted in your community, what's developed in your community, what the schools will look like, to run for office. Bobby ran for office two years ago. Woo! I don't believe there's a Nigerian-American elected in New York State. I could be wrong, but I don't believe there is. This but I would say it's well past time for that to happen. Yes. It happened in Jersey. He said, yeah. Not in New York. Not in New York. And the way and you get in, in, get involved at the local level, at the lowest level of government, civic yes. associations, community board, participate in campaigns. Ruben helped me run for office in 2004. He was like the assistant campaign manager. Yes. He's done it again recently for other candidates, including a young woman who's running to replace me. That's how you do it. You find out what your elected officials think. Yes. Are they prepared to say something as idiotic as Donald Trump said about you? And if they are, then you need to replace them. And you need to take your place at the table. You know, there's yes. no saying in the labor movement. If you're not on the table, you're on the menu. Yes. Yes. You yes. You don't want to be on the menu. You want to have a seat at the table. You want to help shape policy. And you want to be there at the, at the entry level to the highest level. And the way you do that is supporting organizations like, like, like this one and supporting people like Bobby Ditchie, who's helped making it happen in the chapters in New Jersey and Chicago and all over the country, Washington, D.C., and I'm happy to be here to be to be able to present a certificate to my good friend Bobby. On behalf of
So honorable Joanne. Senator Diane Savino was on the campaign trail. 
And as we talk so often in politics about who you're in a foxhole with, I was so honored to be in a foxhole with Senator Diane Sanders. Yes, so. As you can tell, when you show up and you see her on the team, you know you're on the right team. Yes, so. And it was exciting because we were able to back each other up and support one another. She kind of took on Staten Island, I took on Brooklyn, and you know, bringing our various uh, energies and connections and, and, and people and networks. It was really an exciting campaign, and I look forward to continuing to represent yes. Mayor Eric Adams. Uh, but I have to, I have to take a little bit of a selfish um, <laughs> portion of this discussion today. So I'm the Commissioner of Cultural Affairs. But before being Commissioner of Cultural Affairs, I was a City Council member um, under uh, Mayor uh, Bill De Blasio and working with Speaker Corey Johnson. But before that, the 15 years prior to that, I founded the Museum of Contemporary African Diaspora and Art. Yes. Um, and the reason why I did that was yes. because I'm an African American woman, but I was raised in an all Caribbean neighborhood in East Flatbush in Brooklyn. So I always <laughs> felt a little bit out of place because I wasn't Caribbean, but I was African American, and people would always ask me if you were. I was Jamaican or Trinidadian or every Labor Day parade, which is coming up this weekend, uh -huh. I would kind of pick a flag that I was going to say I was from that weekend. Yes. But knowing that I was African, living in a Caribbean community, and being a, a, an African American woman, I didn't. I wanted to create a museum. But I said, let's create a museum of the African diaspora that unites all of those different identities. For yes. Everyone. And I say that to say. To now be appointed the commissioner of the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs is a huge honor. Our budget in the city of New York is about, this year I was able to, and I have to like, you know, pat myself on the back for that, I was able to negotiate the largest investment in art and culture in New York City's history. Woo! institutions, 
So many of them are dependent on government exclusively. Uh -huh. And when you're dependent on government exclusively, it's very difficult for your organizations to maintain at such a higher level. So I would hope that NIDO would be able to work with many of the cultural institutions throughout Nigeria to say, yes. these are the cultural institutions that we want to wrap our arms around, that we want to give that added support to, that we want to fundraise for, that we want to host galas for, that we want to invest on an annual yes. basis, that we want to have a membership uh, committee that raises money on a regular basis. Because when we invest in Nigeria's cultural institutions, when we bring the talent that has been fostered throughout the diaspora back to Nigeria for exhibitions, for programs, for theaters, for performances, when we make those connections together and we support those cultural institutions, it's sometimes hard for government to make the decision between a school, a hospital, and a cultural institution. And guess what? Usually the cultural institution moves out, right? So it's important that we make those decisions to continue to push government yes, so. to support arts and culture, yes. but also on our own accord, we have to start to become that private sector that comes in and supports, not with a one-time gift, but a continuous gift, a returning gift, and to have all of those throughout the diaspora continue to support our cultural institutions yes. because they so desperately need it. And on top of that, with so many of our national treasures coming back to the motherland, works of art that were stolen, that were captured, that were robbed, that were looted, um, from so many European countries that are now coming back to our homeland, yes. we have to make sure, and I, this is double duty for me, yes, we so. have to make sure that we put the infrastructure in place to receive our cultural treasures, but we also have to make sure that those that are returning our stolen, looted artworks and cultural treasures. Yes. Give back those works of art. Yes. But also contribute a dollar amount to those institutions yes. to make sure that they have sound footing to receive those institutions, those it institutional treasures as well. So it's twofold. Yes. Those that are stolen have to give back, but also have to put in financial infrastructure to make sure that our institutions are up to par to yes. receive, but we also have to match it as well. When we invest in cultural institutions in Nigeria, it will support our tourism industry. It will support our economy. It will support our local schools who will have institutions to learn their history and culture. It will support our tax base. It will support so many aspects. It will support our hotels. It will support our transportation. It is really the key to revitalizing and bringing that tourism dollar that we so desperately need in Nigeria and abroad. So I will yes. conclude with those remarks. I had an amazing time in Nigeria and Ghana. We had a wonderful time. For me, as an African-American, it's a dream come true. I say for so many African-Americans, when we were forcibly taken from Africa throughout the diaspora, we were cursed. The only true way to break that curse is to return back to Africa. Yes, yes. To invest and explore and, and replenish. All African Americans should see that they have a home in Africa. This should be, I'm so envious of my Jewish brothers and sisters who go back and forth to Israel like, like they're going back and forth to New Jersey. It's just like they just, we're going to Israel this weekend, we're going to Israel for Bar Mitzvah, we're going to Israel for this, we're going to Israel for Hanukkah. 
We need to see Africa in that same way. Yes. We need to break the cycle of it being too complicated of a process to go through. We need to just go back and forth. And that's really a part of uh, what this organization can do. For so many of the African Americans said, come on, y'all got to come with us. Yes. Um, which would be such a joyous privilege to yes. do that. Yes. So, for general conversation. It's a question you can ask of Bobby, Senator Sabino, Mr. Rubin, myself, so many of you to be welcome and welcoming all of you today. Thank you to the sponsor of my Wellness and Wahala podcast, Anchor. It's a great podcasting platform and also Nido Radio, Nigerians and Diaspora organization radio 24 7 online radio which also plays my wellness and wahala podcast show so i'll leave you today with the song of the week it's from ada ehi and limopole is a christian song that says okay everything is going to be okay bless up Okay.